This is Miller's Edge on Tide The Miller's Edge with Christian Miller, two-time national champion and team captain for the Alabama Crimson Tide and former Carolina Panther and his father, Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, a nine-year NFL veteran with the New York Giants and University of South Carolina Hall of Famer. This is The Miller's Edge. Alright, let's go. It's the Miller's Edge on the Tide 100.9. Hope you're doing well. We're here ready to rock and roll with you on a Thursday. The club's going up on a Thursday. You best believe that as we get you ready for Alabama hit the road for the first time against an SEC opponent. We'll talk about Mississippi State, the matchup. We're here from the GOAT himself, Nick Saban, uh, from the press conference, excuse me, on yesterday on injury updates on the D-line. We'll hear about Jaheim Otis. You may have heard some of this, but maybe not. But we'll play some of the sound uh, for you from the press conference on, on yesterday. And we'll take your phone calls. You know, the drill, 205-342-9904. I'd love to hear from you. Take it to the people. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? After a really good, solid win, some people still saying, ho-hum, slow clap, if you will, about the victory over Ole Miss. Do you expect more out of this team on the road against the Mississippi State who has lost the last two ball games, uh, uh, two SEC games, that is? One on the road at South Carolina and they got blown out by LSU. So what are you expecting from the Tide uh, this Saturday? Late game, cowbells, all that good stuff. Do you see this team taking it another level, taking another big step in perfecting and performing uh, on the football field? So I'll throw that question out there to you on the program today. Again, our show is promoted, sponsored by good friends at the Good Feet Store, America's art support experts. Thanks to those good folks. They actually set up a nice little tent down in Jacksonville next week for a um, champions event. My good friend Jim Ferrick. Puts on a really, really nice event down at Tim Aquana, a golf country club down there in Jacksonville, the Champions Tour event. Really good field, and uh, they're going to be setting up, and I'll be down there for a day or two uh, hanging out, which I always do at that tournament. So appreciate the Good Feet Store of being one of the sponsors of that. Christian Miller in Tuscaloosa, Justin Jones. So just I'm saying your name with a little bass because I know you're single, you know, some ladies might be listening to the show, and then when you just say Justin Jones, you know what I mean? It just gives a little bit of pop. You know, not that yeah. you don't have pop, 
but it gives a little power. No, I appreciate it. I, I understand completely. Yeah, that's that's how I need to start saying it myself. Yeah. <laughs> so when you walk in, <laughs> when you walk into the bar down on the on the strip, you know, and the girl be like, "Hey, what's your name?" And you just say, "Justin Jones." Boy, I'm gonna tell you, when yeah, you just say it like I that, don't know about it's that. all. Yeah, no, well, I'm maybe, telling you, maybe you, maybe we'll leave it to you. Maybe you, you say like, I don't know if he should say it like that. That might come off a little weird, right? I mean, if he goes, some little, a good-looking uh, sorority girl, you know, wants to holler at him, and he, and you drop that bass on him like that, and you know, what's your name, Justin Jones? I mean, it just sounds like commanding. <laughs> it just sounds tough, you, you know, right, Justin? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 yeah, definitely meant no. So that, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Justin, you I got a sense we don't feel. Don't listen to him. Yeah, Justin, don't listen to him. He's going to get you in trouble. Don't, don't listen to him. I, I will say, though, I, I don't know if you guys saw, I think I, I mentioned to my dad yesterday, how about Alabama becoming the first program in the country to provide NIL opportunities for its former athletes? Mm-hmm. Starting with their new NIL program called Alabama Always, uh, that's going to be offered to former athletes of all sports, not just football, uh, where they can basically partner with uh, Alabama's NIL program and, and, and utilize that for their entire lifetime. So I thought that was really cool. Obviously, I'm going to be ecstatic about it because you know I'm a former athlete here, and that's that's great. It's that's, that's really it's a really good opportunity for somebody like me or anybody who played here. Uh, to be able to to partner with those guys, so I, I I commend them for doing that. I'm excited to to you know get started with it. I I signed up for it, and I'll keep you guys updated on anything that might come from okay. it or, or any plans. Yeah, like but money. Look, I already, huh? You gonna keep us up on how much cheese you're making? Listen, go back though. I want you to kind of explain it though, because we understand what nil is. We understand how it works, or it's supposed to work. Um, we, we'll hear what Nick Saban had to say on yesterday about nil. Uh, but now it's uh, expanded, if you will, to former players. What does that look like, though? Because now you're not really uh, in the university or going to school or playing on the field anymore. How will that? How will that look? I mean, as far as somebody just doing a deal with a former player, are they going to do some throwback jerseys? What? Excuse me. What does that look like? Well, from my understanding, it's. Basically, it's called, so it's called Alabama Always, and it's a licensing program where former student athletes will have the opportunity to join their NIL, their name, image, and likeness with the Crimson Tide brand on merchandise, and you can use that for the entirety of your life. So I guess that pretty much means like if, if you want to start selling your jerseys again, you know, you're, you're entitled and you have every right to basically use the Alabama logo. Cause we all know, I mean, companies can, can use the A, they can use Alabama, you know, stuff, but they have to pay royalties. They have to get approved. You know, right. typically you couldn't just do that. So I guess basically what this is doing is it's allowing student athletes or former student athletes to, to, to use any Alabama branding, which I think is really cool. Uh, so that, that's kind of what I got from it. I mean, I, I think they'll, you know, announce more information at some point, but. Uh, basically, you just you just opt into the program, and it gives you you know the ability to profit from your NIL with merchandise in conjunction with Alabama brand. So that that's what I got from it. So I think I think it's really cool, and I think it should be done uh, because you know a lot of student athletes put in a lot of time and effort and contribution to the school, and this is kind of a way for the university to pay it back. And and obviously, the university does a lot you know already for former athletes, but I think this is a small step. 
to providing former athletes the ability to, you know, uh, capitalize off of things. You know, we weren't allowed to do that when we were in school. And so I think it's just kind of a bonus uh, for former well, student athletes. Well, legally, legally. Legal. I can tell you right now, I didn't make any money. I didn't do anything illegal. I didn't receive any illegal benefits. So I mean, I, you're not saying you did, but I mean, let's. I mean, we. I'm sure other I people, mean, people probably. Everybody did it. Everybody. Yeah, well, did. well th- th- this was Coach Saban's quote. He said, "As I've said before, our players aren't just my guys for three, four, or five years. They're my guys forever. Alabama always is a tangible way to show our former student athletes how much we care about them and want them to feel a part of the legacy they helped create at the University of Alabama." And it goes on to talk, and I'm reading the article from RollTide.com, the official website of Alabama, goes on to talk about how, so Bill Battle is, uh, you know, one of the main contributors here who helped set this up. He was the first member to join Alabama always, so that's really cool to see. Uh, he basically said how, you know, he's extremely honored to be chosen as the first official member and uh, someone who is a student athlete, coach, business executive, and athletic director. He's had a front row seat to the transformation of collegiate athletics, Alabama always initiative, is revolutionary and timely in the new world of NIL, uh, while also honoring those who have achieved so much throughout our history. So, like I said, just really cool stuff. I, I commend uh, everybody that helped set that up because I think that's big time. And I, I, now we're going to see other schools follow suit. And they're going to start. Oh, it's going to be right. I mean, that'll be next week. Georgia's going to Tennessee. Everybody else is going to do it. And they're oh, going to yeah, act like they're, gonna do it. they're the mastermind brains behind all this. And they're going to. Try to look at Alabama's to, model, and they're going to try to up them one. They're going to improve gonna it. Yeah, but, but I'll yeah. be honest. I mean, it's something that needed to be done just because, I mean, you, you talk about it, and I'm not trying to throw your Gamecocks under the bus, but you, for the longest time, until they improved, you know, their former athlete, uh, uh, you know, uh, relationships, right? Like, before they got that all situated, sure. there's a lot of times you complained about how they treated former athletes and how they didn't really offer them much support or care. They weren't necessarily allowed to, to utilize the resources available like you thought they should. And so I always respected Alabama for how how well we, you know, we do, uh, how well we treat our former athletes, allowing former athletes to come and utilize the resources, whether that's, you know, the training room, you know, the, the weight room, just be around the program, reaching out, helping with, you know, finding careers, you know, once you're done with your respective sports. So I think Alabama's just, you know, always going to try to set the trend when it comes to, to uh, relationships with their former athletes, so I love to see this. But I, I'll be honest; I mean, I you you said it earlier, and we can talk about this too because I don't know if you also heard this in terms of NIL. Like, so this is actually NIL. This is actually name, image, and likeness uh, that they're presenting. You know, former athletes to utilize and, and be a part of the Alabama brand and, and, and capitalize off that. But did you hear what Coach Saban when he was asked about uh, the Ohio State was it the athletic director? Well, you you segue it. Justin piled that up, and we can hear what he said. And yeah, uh, Justin, if you have that clip, because we're on the we're on the talk of it. I this is something I wrote down. I really wanted to talk about because this was crazy to me. So, Justin, if you have that clip, you go ahead and play what Coach Saban his answer to being asked about uh, the recruits now asking for money to take uh, to take visits. Not that I know of. So I I, I'm, I'm I don't know of anybody that is ask us you know for that um but look you know name image and likeness is not really name image and likeness i mean i think we all understand what it's become and and what we allowed it to become and i said long ago and got very criticized for is this what we want college football to become so it's becoming what it's becoming and and that's okay i mean 
we'll just adapt and do what we have to do to be able to compete, uh, whatever the circumstances are. So um, do I think that it would be uh, judicious to have some guardrails on some things? Uh, I think you can figure that one out just as well as anybody else. My God. <laughs> That's my job. I mean, figure it out. I mean, listen, I, I wanted to get in that too because it is what it is. What, the key thing I want to go ding, ding, ding. What did he say? The key thing I grabbed out of that was we will do whatever we have to do to compete. Right? It is, it is what it is. So I gathered that he's saying, well, if it came down to that, if we need this dude and we got to drop, uh, you know, Five stacks in somebody's pocket, they will give them five stacks if he worth it. Because that's what you got to do. This is what I'm telling the folks here at the University of South Carolina. I'm talking to uh, a multiple, multiple boosters and people who don't understand NIL. Right? They don't like it. They're giving money already to brick and mortar, to, you know, upgrade the stadium, to, you know, Alabama trying to get a coliseum in, you know, basketball arena to whatever it is. They're already giving a lot a lot of money to that. But how are you going to get that extra money through NIL that fans are going to have to give? It's not coming through the school. But if you want to be competitive, if you want to be in the game, if you want a chance to get to the college football playoffs, cheese is going to be needed. And, and so cheese, folks, I'm... I'm I need to explain that. That's money, by the way, just kind of a, you know. But cheese, money, you're going to need it. And and to me, Coach is saying they haven't had that situation yet, but you know it's coming, Christian. I mean, people are going to ask, and they're going to get it. Because everybody's well, not you, Nick Saban in Alabama. They're going to get 5000 just to show up. Why? Because you're not taking a, a an official visit, supposedly, key word, supposedly, you have to pay to go to said school, right? School can't pay for it unless right. it's official. So right. these dudes that kind of grew up like me don't have no money. How are they going to get to the place, hotel, food, gas? I mean, flight, if they're coming from a long way. I mean, so I ain't mad at the kid for asking for the money. If you want me to come visit your school, I need some money because it costs money for me to get there and my family so pay up. If not, then I have to look somewhere else. I, I'm not mad at that. Mm, well, here are a couple of things. <clears throat> well, he said not that I'm aware of. So, I mean, it, it very well could have been happened. He, they, they could have been asked that question by a recruit, a couple of recruits. Who knows? That was one thing I took from that. But to your point about, yes, it does cost money getting to said school. But if they're asking to be paid almost like an appearance fee or something, that's ridiculous. Because that's that's what Coach Saban's saying. Like, this is not NIL. Like, it's just basically people are utilizing NIL as a means of I can just basically be paid for anything. That's not NIL. Like, honestly, majority of this crap is not NIL. It's just being paid. Yeah. NIL is now acceptable, but people are just squeezing in things like, oh, okay, well, you know, just pay me for this, pay me for that. Like, that's not... And that, that's where I'm kind of like, this This is getting ridiculous. Now, I agree with you uh, in terms of the unofficial visits. You do have to provide your own transportation, your own accommodations just to, you know, you know to stay at a hotel and, and, and so forth. But that's how it's always been. And we, you and I both know that they've always, they behind the scenes, there's times where they find a way to help out with those travel 
plans or they or you know what I mean? They 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 help set up travel even though they're not right. supposed. I'm not saying Alabama. I'm saying just anywhere, every school in general, right? Like yeah, in general, there's you'd be a fool to think they've never helped set up you know travel arrangements or anything like that on an unofficial visit. I mean that's mm-hmm. happened, but. Right. If you're just asking for outright money, I think that's an issue. Like, it's one thing if you say, okay, you know, help get us there. Okay, cool. I can understand that if someone doesn't have the means to do it. But if you're just saying, oh, I want $5,000 to come take a visit just to consider your school, that's ridiculous. And so people are just getting greedy and it's just getting messy. And then that's that's my problem that I have with all this crap. Because like Coach Saban said, it's, it's not NIL. I like NIL if it's NIL. If it's a guy selling his jersey because he's made a name for himself on the field, I love it. If it's a guy going to sign an autograph, I love it. If it's a guy that's partnering with, I don't know, the, the local suit store, right? Uh, just you know, as a brand ambassador, or he's getting paid to, you know, where I love it. That's that's nil. All this other stuff, man, is it's just pay for play, and, I, and that's where I draw. That's where I have an issue with. It. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm old school. I'm not trying to be a hater. It's just. That's not what it is. And I feel like that that's what's somewhat ruining college sports is those type of deals. Not the actual NIL deals. It's the frivolous, just the kind of made up pay for play NIL deals. Right. And the thing is, listen, that we knew that's what Coach Saban has been saying. He took a lot of grief about it when he, you know, the whole Jimbo thing and all those players at Texas A and M was getting it basically was pay for play. Well, that's happening everywhere. I mean, it's one of those things where these kids are going to maximize because there's no guardrails. They're going to maximize their opportunities to get money however, whenever they can. And that's what college football is now. And so I blame the NCAA, who has just, uh, that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But listen, man, kids going to want the money. Now they're going, hey, my top five or top whatever they release and do the videos and blah, blah, blah. They're going to ask for money. But I don't think it's something foreign because people have been given money. As you said, people going to find a way to get kids on campus. Now, it may not come from Coach Saban. It may not come from Shane Beamer or whomever. But somebody somewhere, some booster, some whatever is going to make sure these folks have the ability or opportunity to come on the campus and watch practice or whatever they do when it's not official. So all this stuff is going on anyway. You know, now that they say this, you know, Brian, whoever said it, Ohio State, I mean, blah, 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 cry me a river. Really? I mean, they've been doing it. Everybody's been doing it. To be honest, they've been doing it since I was back in college. That's 30-something blah, blah, blah years ago. The handshakes, you know how many great handshakes I got? And I'm not talking about the firm handshake. <laughs> oh, that guy, he, we used to say this, man, he got a great handshake. And it wasn't about how tight, you know, the grip and all of that. It was when I opened my hand up and saw them hondos sitting in there. That's what I'm talking about. So this stuff been going on for years, man. So we can cry about it. We can say we don't like it, but it is what it is. But... I'm appreciative of Alabama doing what they're doing because I'm big. I'm a big, big proponent of people taking care of the former players. They are your greatest assets when it comes to recruiting, right? So utilize them. Give them opportunities to make money off the name, which they never had a uh, 
a legal or legitimate chance to really do that back when I played or some of the other guys played. So good for them. Good for them being the, the front runner, setting the standard bar for all of college football. As we said, many others are going to follow suit. You bet that and it's going to be real soon because you don't want Alabama to have an edge. That's how it rolls. What do you think about that? What do you think about Alabama, Mississippi State? We'll get into some of that, breaking that down. Here's some more sound from what Nick Saban had to say in his press conference. You're listening to The Miller's Edge. We're on the tide. 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports, sponsored by our good friends at the Good Feet Store. We'll be back in a moment. Join the Tide 100.9 tailgate. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon, partly to mostly sunny with a high at 88. Clear tonight, the low 64. Tomorrow is sunny day, the high 87. And for the weekend, we stay warm and dry, sunny Saturday and Sunday. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 74 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Thursday, talking Tide football, NIL, former players of Alabama will have a chance to get some money in name, image, and likeness. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, also, Mississippi State this week for the Tide, first SEC road game. How do you expect them to respond after a nice win at home over Lane Kippen? Uh, we want to talk to you about that. Uh, also, uh, real quick, Charles Barkley calling the Tide fans out. He's calling you out, Alabama fans. This is what he says. <laughs> I love Charles. He says, uh, he says, I really don't hate Alabama. I just want to beat them. I hate their fans because they're obnoxious. They lost two games last year, and it was like, kill us now. That's the end of the world. Then after the loss to Texas, it was like, oh, oh, my God. He says, you got the greatest coach ever. They're a bunch of ungrateful brats. That's the only thing I hate about Alabama. He goes on with some more stuff. I'll stop with them. Christian, what do you think about Charles Barkley calling Alabama spoiled and ungrateful brats? Uh, I mean, definitely a little harsh, but I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, it, you know, I, there's some substance to it. And just in terms of, I'm not, I'm not calling our fans spoiled or brats, but there are times that I do feel like uh, us fans or, you know, even us alumni, uh, we're a little spoiled here at Alabama just because of uh, – you know, all the success that we've had, right? And I think sometimes we we get caught up um, in that success and, and just feel that, look, there's, there's a standard that's been set here. And I get it. I see both sides of it, right? Because uh, I like to feel that I was a part of that standard, right? So, you know, part of me, you're like, you know, you, th- everybody needs to uphold that. We should be playing for championships every year. But then the realistic side of things is that's just not very – it's not realistic, right? I mean, it's not realistic for 10 years straight winning the national championship. It's just not. And to have the success that, that we've had, I mean, any other school in the country would, would, would beg and, and do anything to have that type of success. And so I see what he's saying. Yeah. You know, you, you, you lose two games, two close games, uh, by a total of what was it? Four points or whatever the, the margin was. And it did seem like the sky was falling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it did feel that way. 
uh, for some some fans. And so I see where he's what he's getting at. Definitely a little bit harsh, but you know I'm pretty sure I've heard Coach Saban say our fans are spoiled before, so it's not anything new, right? And I'm not saying so people don't get mad at me. I didn't I didn't say it. Coach Saban said it. <laughs> it's just I think people get so used to to that standard, and and and, that, and that's good. That that I mean that's a testament of just how much success that we've had here. Right, that that losing two games is is like you just want to throw it in the trash. It makes you sick to your stomach. I mean, that that's probably the most impressive thing about Alabama. Is the standard is so high that if you lose two games, two close games in a very close margin, is that the season was? I mean, it was like that even when I was here. I mean, even if we made it to the national championship, like the years that we made it to, the, well, I played in four straight national championships, lost two of them. The two that we lost, uh, twenty eighteen, we won the SEC championship. And 2016, yeah, both of them, we won the SEC championship that year, but we lost the national championship. I mean, it was almost like we forgot we even were SEC champions. Like, it didn't even matter, which is crazy, right? Because, I mean, anybody else would just be – imagine if Kentucky won the SEC championship. I mean, they'd be talking about it for – Or South year. Carolina. Or South Carolina. If you guys won an SEC championship, I mean, you guys would probably hold parades. And I'm not making fun of you. I'm just being – I mean, but with us – I mean, the fact that we got to the national championship, we lost at the end of the play in 2016, the last play of the game in 2016. We, I, like, we smashed the trophy that year. I think I'm pretty sure that was the year Coach Cochran, we were in the locker room. We, we literally smashed, like physically smashed the trophy. And it was like we forgot we even won the SEC championship. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, again, that's just a standard that's been set here. So I get it. But at the same time, we, we got to be a little more realistic around here sometimes. I mean, it is just – Especially nowadays, there's just a lot more parity in college football. I mean, just look at the SEC this year. I, I mean, I feel like the, the, there's not even a, a clear cut favorite right now. It's really. Up I kind of like it though. I do. I, I mean, I, no, and, and at the end of the day, I like it too. that there's parity. Yeah, I think it's good for the league, and maybe somebody else will get in there besides Alabama and Georgia. And I hope Alabama gets there. I don't care about Georgia. Uh, I would love to see a South Carolina. I would love to see a Tennessee. You know, somebody different. I mean. LSU's been there. They were just there last year. They, I definitely don't want them. I do want to see Alabama back one more time in the college football playoffs before uh, the 12. You know, they, they change it because they're going to be there every year. I mean, they're going to be a top 12 team every single year. I mean, let's just be real yeah. about it. So I love to see them get uh, back into it. Let's get to Mississippi State. This game, again, Alabama heavy favorite again in this ball game. Should win this, this game pretty easily, in my opinion. I'm not throwing rat poison. Just... What it is, uh, Jayla Miro is playing some good football, 17 to 21. Of course, the, the bad interception it was really the only bad play he had in that game, in my opinion. Um, teams are going to start to really uh, game plan him, trying to defend him. And I want you to hear what Coach Saban said yesterday on opponents' defense is trying to adjust to how Jayla Miro is playing. And we know we're going to see maybe stack the box, try to stop the run, quarterback run and those backs. Jace McClellan and those boys, um, they're going to try to do that, maybe make Jalen become a complete passer and throw it to beat him. Well, he showed that he can do that, especially as we saw those shorter routes, 10 yards and less. He hit a lot of those uh, last week against Ole Miss, and then he hit you over the top, which we know he's a really good deep uh, throw of the football. So Coach Saban talked about teams maybe adjusting to Jalen Milrow and the way he plays on yesterday. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, that's one way, you know, to, to, to look at it. Uh, I think there's, 
because of his ability to run. Sometimes people rush three guys and spy guy. Sometimes they rush four guys and spy guy. So, um, you know, that should be helpful in terms of us being able to, you know, protect, you know, better. Um, I think when people play man-to-man and everybody turns their back, there's opportunities to make plays if you can beat them one-on-one. Uh, but there's also opportunities to, you know, take it off. So if everybody's going to have a different philosophy of how they want to play um, when it comes to how do we control the quarterback, whether it's some people they may say we'll just rush five or six guys and, you know, make them be a passer. So you know, you never know how a team is going to approach that. And every we, we could see various things throughout the course of the year. And they're going to see various things throughout the course of the year based on how he progresses uh, as a passer, uh, scanning the field, those different types of things. And I also think how Tommy Reese begins to call plays. I mean, you're trying to build an, an identity uh, for this offense, right? We know we, he does well. We know that he's an explosive runner. We know that he can throw the, the deep ball. The problem has been uh, trying to read defenses, and he's been tricked. And a couple of times, right, Texas, he was tricked by the defense. He was tricked by the defense in Ole Miss down in the red zone as well, where he didn't understand really what that corner or that safety was doing, and therefore uh, threw balls that were, were basically airing passes, right? They were picked off. So he has to get better in that area. But I think, Christian, that is Tommy Reese continue has to continue to evolve he has to continue to get better at calling plays for him, setting up this offense. Listen, we live in a time with offense. You can do so many different things that put so much pressure on the defense. How many times do we hear Coach Saban talking about how other teams, other offenses put pressure on their defense and guys are running wide open? And it's crazy to me that I very seldom see receivers that are just open and that are easy throws for Jalen Miro. I don't see that. And I, I, and I said this on uh, the Miller's as extra. I do not. I almost, I don't even want to use the word hate, but I really dislike this offense. I do. Because I think it hamstrings the, the talent. I think it takes away from all these skilled players and the ability that you have on the outside of dudes that can run and be great in space. I do not like this offense. It's boring. It's generic. It's simple. It is. I mean, the running game is very generic. The passing game is very generic. I do not like this offense. And I think going down the road as competition continues to get tougher, you got to be more innovative. You have to open up the offense of Jalen Milrow and take advantage of these skilled players that you have. You definitely do. And and that's why I always talk about, I mean, if teams are going to be aggressive, you've you got to make them pay. And you got to capitalize off of that. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. You know, he, 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 he listed several examples of how teams can, you know, approach going against a quarterback like Jalen Milrow, who has the athletic ability to extend plays with his legs and make plays with his legs. You know, I always say, you know, when you, when you watch teams on tape, I mean, they, they definitely have their defense or their offense, things that they like to do. But at the end of the day, 
it's a copycat league. We say that, you know, every year teams are going to watch what other teams do and what other teams uh, did well to have success against you. And, and they might come out with something totally different. So I know when you watch Mississippi State, you see them as a, a very aggressive team. They like to bring pressure. like They like to get after you on defense. But they very well could kind of go to what he was saying in terms of only rushing three, you know, dropping eight, and one of those guys being a spy guy. Because, I mean, if you watch Texas, I mean, there was – there was times they were able to force some serious pressure with only three guys, right? So maybe you do see that approach. But the bottom line is, you know, Jalen Milrow, with his athletic ability, if they are bringing pressure, you know, nine times out of ten, it's probably going to be man coverage in the back end. That means everybody's turning and running. If he, if you can find a way to, to pick up that pressure and he can just slip through, those should be big gains. I mean, when I watched the tape on Mississippi State, that's what I saw. I mean, Spencer Rattler had a couple times. Uh, he broke out for some nice runs. I think it was Arizona quarterback, uh, same thing. Or, like you said, I mean, utilize the speed of these guys. I mean, Isaiah Bond is a fast is a fast guy, right? Then, uh, I, I mean, Jermaine Burton has really come alive this season and, and has improved so much. He's another fast guy. I mean, Jalen Jalen Hale's coming along. He was a track guy in high school. I remember uh, talking about him on signing day. Uh, I think he, you know, he did a few different sports, but I specifically remember him being a track guy. So he's got speed and some playmaking ability. So you got to make these guys pay. So if they are bringing pressure, pick it up and, and squeeze through, try to break a run. Or like you like you said, we should see some receivers running open because I feel like we have the talent and the speed on offense to be able to beat people one-on-one or we should see more open guys. And I was see, uh, I forgot where I was looking at, but there was something that I saw about Jalen Milrow and in his deep ball, I mean, he legit statistically is one of the best in the country. And so I definitely think we should be able to take more shots, especially as he continues to, to improve and grow as a passer, as a quarterback with his presence, you know, being able to scan the field, you know, just having a better feel for everything. You know, right. I, I think they'll start dialing up more plays like that. I, I know you, you're very frustrated with the, what you see, but maybe it's something that they, they feel like they're going through some growing pains and they're just trying to slowly get everybody acclimated and they'll, they'll hopefully start implementing new things. And, and you never know. Hopefully, hopefully the offense will add some, some new stuff and, and a new layer to it. Uh, Cause I definitely feel like it, it, it can improve. Right. I mean, I might not be as harsh as you, but I do think, you know, going forward, we're going to have to implement some new things. We're going to have to add some more depth to it and get a little more, not, not necessarily fancy. Cause I know it's, it's funny. It's almost like the opposite, like defense. I feel like we've always, you know, we've gotten almost a little too, complex and we almost just need to dial it down and that honestly i think that's why the defense might be playing so well right now is we might have dialed some things back just a little bit and we're letting guys yeah. go out there and play fast but on the offensive side though contrary to what i just said about defense i do believe we almost are a little too simplistic offensively and we actually need to throw in some more nuances and then add a little bit more depth to it so you know what i mean it's oh, almost boy. like they need to flip you know does that make sense do you agree with that yeah i agree with it but i <laughs> I'm just telling you, watching Alabama's offense is like watching paint dry. I mean, it's boring. And you see all these other teams that's, I mean, they got trick plays. I mean, they run, their coordinators are so innovative. I don't get it. I mean, you go recruit these five stars and four stars and top 100 players and you can't get them the ball because you're not running the offense. It's not the quarterback. It's the offense. It's the offense. It's generic, man. It's, I mean, we, we need to call this offense Geritol. <laughs> I mean, listen, I get it. If you your offensive line is 
knocking people off the ball, and you could just hand it to Jace McClellan and, and Five and Justice and Jam and all these guys just pound people, them big tight ends, and getting five, seven yards every down, and, and you get movement up front. I get that. But the reality is, you're not doing that. You're not. They're not. They're not moving guys like that. We saw. We we've seen glimpses of it, right? So, but you got skilled dudes, tight ends, backs, receivers. You got them for days, and people will sit back and go, "Well, I don't know if Alabama got them. Um, you know them do like you know Devontae and you know Henry Ruggs and all them boys, Jerry Judy. We don't have them kind of players no more. I mean, them boys going off to the league, man. I mean, you do have them." You, you just don't use them. That's the problem. And I'm saying, screaming from the top of Columbia, South Carolina building right now, saying, use your talent, Tommy Reese. It's just that simple. Because you got better players, but you just don't use them. We're a break. Your phone calls, your thoughts. This is the Miller's Edge. We're on the tide. 100.9. This is the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Sponsored by our good friends at the Good Feet Store, America's arch support experts. Back in a moment. Built to win. Ball game. Alabama wins. Built for championship. Heading for the pylon. Get the race. Win the race. Touchdown, Alabama. Built by Bama. Crimson Tide plays here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide head to Starkville to battle Mississippi State. Our coverage begins at 5 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. This is Christian Miller, and I want to tell you about my good friends over at Spine and Sport Chiropractic. Spine and Sport Chiropractic provides quality chiropractic services for chronic conditions, injuries, sports-related trauma, and more right here in the heart of West Alabama. Come and discover how this form of medicine can improve your overall health by addressing the original cause of your ailments instead of masking your pain. If you're in need of this type of relief, contact Dr. Brian McDonald and his team at 205-345-8102. Again, that's 205-345-8102. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Welcome back to the Miller's Edge here on a Thursday. Corey Miller, pastor of Payne Christian Miller, and our guy, Justin Jones, behind the glass. Hey, boys, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be up a little late uh, tonight. Well, we'll call it tomorrow because the 2023 Ryder Cup uh, is going to be teeing off, man, and, and the matchups are set for the foursome day one. 135. How about this, guys? Who up for this? 135 a.m. Uh, Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns take on John Rahm and Tyrell Hatton. Match two is Max Homa and Brian Harmon. They'll take on Victor Hoblin 
and Ludwig Adberg, the young dude, is balling. I hope I said his name right. Uh, match three, Ricky Fowler, Colin Morikawa, uh, take on, uh, Sepp Straka and Shane Lowry, then Patrick Cantley and Xander Shuffley and go against Roy McElroy and Tommy Fleetwood. And so I don't know about you boys, but I love to write a cup. Um, it's over there in Italy, in Rome. And so 1.35 a.m. that we can get some Ryder Cup golf. I got some Ryder Cup stuff. My good friend, Jim Frick, who was a Ryder Cup captain. And actually, when it was in Paris, I had the invitation uh, to come and be a part of that and and uh, have some stuff come up. And I could not attend. But um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be dialed into uh, the Ryder Cup 1.35 a.m. And the pairings are set. So some good match, good matches that are coming up in the early a.m. of Friday morning. 205-342-9904. Let's get back to it again. I talked about how I do not like the offense, uh, that Alabama is running at this point. They got talent. They got ability. They got everything they need. But I think again, the coordinator needs to call, uh, better plays defensively. I think Alabama is on point. Chris, you've been talking about the defense. Uh, how they are, they are excelling, getting better. Uh, I mean, at every position, they got, I mean, they got good stuff, right? Defensive line, uh, you know, Dallas Turner, those boys, Braswell been balling, you know, coach talked about, uh, Jaheim Otis, the big man in the middle, how, how well he's playing, he's excited the way he is playing football right now. You talked about some of the young guys getting some burn, but Justin Potter for me though, this right here, because, uh, injuries, is always a part of the game, and we know that. But uh, Coach Saban talked about it on yesterday because we talked about Deontay Lawson and how well he's been playing. He got hurt last week against Ole Miss. But here's Coach Saban on yesterday at his press conference uh, giving us an update on the injuries. Uh, you know, both guys were unable to practice today. Uh, so that would put them in a probably category of very questionable. So, Christian... What does I mean? You know the policy with injuries, and uh, how, do you have to practice on Wednesday or Thursday to be able to be available? How does Coach Saban go about that? Uh, no, you don't have to practice on any day. I mean, you, you could just be ready to roll by game day. But obviously, uh, later into the week, and you're still not practicing. You know, the more and more slim your chances are of playing. But typically, he kind of lets you go out pregame and, and see how you feel, and he always you know, ask how you feel. And clearly the doctors need to clear you first. However, he still wants to get your judgment. I know when, when we went into that Florida State game, you know, I, I twisted my ankle real bad, probably remember several days before the game. And, I mean, it was real hard to put weight on it. But it wasn't a high ankle sprain. It just was a really bad, uh, you know, ankle sprain, typical ankle sprain. And he just came to me before the game said, hey, just let me know how you feel in warm-ups. You know, be honest with me. Tell me. Uh, if you think you're good to go. So that's, you know, typically how it works with stuff like that. Now, I don't necessarily know the extent of these injuries. I don't know specifics, but I know, and I don't even know if it is a high ankle sprain, but from what, what I've heard, it sounded like a high ankle sprain. And that normally takes well over a week. So I don't, I don't expect Deontay Lawson to play it. But the good news is, you know, Jahad Campbell, you know, Tresman Marshall and, and uh, Kendrick Blackshire have been doing a really nice job at the inside linebacker position. Uh, Tresman Marshall has typically been the, the will. So, I mean, he's been playing in there and, and we saw Jahad Campbell, uh, filling in there at that, that spot as well. But now I want to say Jahad came in 
uh, and played more of that Mike spot after De- uh, Deontay Lawson went down. So I'm comfortable with any of those guys, even Blackshire. You know, I, I think he's really come along. He's always had the athletic ability and the talent. It just was a matter of getting him uh, mentally prepared uh, to know what to do when he's out there. And I think the more experience that he's gotten now that he's a little bit older, he's more and more comfortable in the defense in, in terms of knowing and understanding his assignments. So uh, I don't expect to see Deontay Lawson, but and I'm fully confident in the guys that are going to be coming in and playing, uh, you know, in his absence. But I'll be honest, you know, two guys that have really um, not just two, but I, I'll say this, you know, the defensive line was probably the one group that I felt had the most question marks on this defense. You know, I think we felt very comfortable with the depth of the linebackers. Obviously, the outside linebackers, you've got Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner. You know, those weren't really question marks at all. The, the secondary, you got Kool-Aid and Terry Arnold has really come alive. Malachi Moore is veteran presence. And Caleb Downs, you know, a rising star. But the defensive line was a group that we always kind of were looking at and were saying, like, you know, who's really going to step up? You know, you got Tim Smith. You've got Jaheim Otis. And, you know, there's some other guys, maybe some younger guys, but we just didn't know who was really going to step up. And, I, and I'll say, man, you know, Tim Smith, uh, and definitely a guy who's got experience, He's really come alive. I think he had like nine tackles against USF, and I think he leads uh, the defensive line right now with a, a sack and a half so far. Uh, so I'll be honest, looking at uh, last week in that old Miss game, Tim, you know, so Tim Smith and Tim Keenan. Tim Keenan, I don't know if he necessarily had a sack or anything, but just he was just so active. You know, he was penetrating. He was getting a lot of pressure. He was moving extremely well. I'm really, I'm really pleased with the progress that I've seen out of the defensive line. I just wanted to get your take if, if, if you thought you saw some improvement from them, because I know you, you've kind of pointed them out as, as a group that you wanted to see more from. Do you feel like you're seeing more from them? Because I personally think they've picked up the, the, the slack, you know, and I think they've really improved as an overall unit so far this season. No, I agree. I think they've gotten better. I mean, I, you know, the, the Texas game, I, I was disgusted. I, I mean, I was disgusted because of lack of pressure. I mean, we, we've seen... Texas played the week before against Rice, I think, whoever it was, and their defensive line had a day against Texas' offensive line. And then you played Texas at home, and, you know, the defensive line just went to bed. They went to bed. I mean, there was just no, way, no other way to put it. And But now they're start, I'm starting to see. We highlighted the Miller's Edge, edge Extra. By the way, we'll be live uh, tonight. I'll make sure you uh, put that on your uh, reminders on YouTube at the Middle's Edge. Um, but they are starting to bring pressure from the outside. Uh, you know, I, I thought Dallas has done an outstanding job in his resiliency and has just really, man, his effort's been great. Braswell is the more technician. Uh, he's got guys going to use his hands really nice. You know, we show, we highlighted how he came back to the quarterback, not getting ran around the corner. Uh, uh, but, but that happens. Uh, everything happens greatly in pass rushing when you get pushed by the defensive line. You talk about Tim Smith, you talk about Otis, you talk about those guys getting interior pressure up and taking away that quarterback window. So now that allows the edge guys uh, to get 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 sacks. And and I think as a whole, they all have done a much better job. They've done a great job. I, I felt like a, a run stop being very solid in their 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 lanes. A gap integrity, things like that. I think they've gotten much better, and that's what you want to see them improve. But the whole defense, I mean, you highlighted the, the, the backup linebackers, how well they have done, the corners, the safeties, uh, the star position, 
You know, Malachi have been excellent defensively. I mean, they are, they are playing Alabama football again, very physical, uh, really good tackling in open field, uh, great edge support when they got to shut down the edge. They have done that, but uh, they're going to have to do it again uh, this week because Mississippi State likes to run the football. They'll get South Carolina. They went back to that that uh, air raid type Mike Leach offense. I think the quarterback threw for over 400 against South Carolina, but South Carolina has a lot of injuries in the secondary and gave up a bunch of chunk plays, but I don't see that happening uh, against the tie. Let's take a phone call, though, 205-342-9904. Let's go to J.K. in Town, T-Town. What's up, J.K.? Good morning, fellas. How y'all doing this morning? Doing wonderful. Doing well. Corey, I'm going to have to thank you for validating my wife's uh, complaints since the Texas game. When your wife can look at your offense and for, for two games tell you, you're running a high school offense here. You're running a high school. <laughs> that, is, to me, is the ultimate option. Now, she's an astute football fan, but when your wife can call it, that's something up. And where yep. are our... Dead sweep. Where are our reverses? Are we even running counters? Where is that stuff? Because it looks high school to me. Run right, run left, throw on third. Yep. It's bad. I mean, it's it's just like, we're, I mean, set plays up. Set the defense up where guys can be open. I mean, every throw is just like, for Jalen, it's like it's difficult. I mean, it's, nobody's open. I mean, and you go watch any other offense, it's like, I see tight ends in the flat open. I see, you know, corner routes open. I, see, I mean, and against us, I mean, Texas and, and even South Florida guys running wide open. Why can't we script and call plays or have an offense that we see that? I it just, it's, it, it's baffling to me. On Jalen's first sack Saturday where he rolled right and just gave it up, you know, you knew he had we had two receivers doing down and out from the left. We didn't even have receivers on the right. What's up with just sending out two receivers? I'm telling you, man, it's very boring. I mean, it's just, it's like it's predictable, it's boring, and it's not like the Cowboys back in the day when I played. With. They they didn't care if you knew what they were running. They were very basic. Uh, you know, with Moose and Emmett, they run counters, counter trades, OF plays, and they play action off of that. Hit Jay Novacek, the tight end, Michael. Michael Irvin on a, you know, dig routes and in routes. That's all, but they were that much better. Alabama's not there, uh, right now. They had the offensive line to be able to give Troy Aikman that time. And, and, uh, Alabama got to get more and more, uh, you know, innovative with the offense play calling going forward. So what would be your prescription for anemic offense? I mean, spread them out, tempo. I mean, I'll even go tempo. Don't give the defense time to set up. You know, go fast, play fast. Bubble screen, run Jalen to the right, throwback screens, tunnel screens, jet, jet screens, as you said. There's so many things. Get the ball to your players in space, quick throws. That's all you got to do, man. J.K., we got to get out of here. Thanks so much. I love the phone call. Don't be hey, a stranger to the show. Hey, thank you. I listen to you every day, brother. Thank you so much for being there. Yes, sir. God yes, bless you, J.K. And Thank you, J.K. Take us out, Christian. Well, appreciate everybody tuning in. Remember, we will be live tonight on the Miller's Edge Extra on our YouTube channel at the Miller's Edge, probably right around 6 p.m. Central, 6.30 or so. So make sure you check us out there. You've been listening to the Miller's Edge, presented by the Good Feet Store, America's art support experts, right here on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Roll Sports. Tide Root. Roll Tide. You've been listening to the Miller's Edge, tackling sports daily, always live.